Welcome to Naturopathy Today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Schwartz and Steve Langford. Join them as they guide you on a journey to good health through holistic naturopathy. Now here are Michael and Steve. Hi, and welcome back to another informative, exciting, stimulating, provocative (laughs) discussion. And today we're going to be looking at mental situations such as Alzheimer's, which will probably also get into senility and dementia. What causes them? What are they? And things of that nature. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? Good morning, Michael. I remembered to be here, so (laughs) I'm not too far down the road yet. But, you know, I have little issues with my memory at times. I often ascribe it to, you know, age-related kinds of things. But there are things that we can do even for those kinds of, um, I don't know if it's fair to call them simpler kinds of memory issues, as opposed to, say, these profound situations that people have with dementia and Alzheimer's. But I do believe that no matter what your state is, you can do better if you're well-nourished. We're not talking about cures necessarily, that's the body's job, but the body can't do it if we don't give it the nutrients. And what I have learned is that there are some very significant nutrients that do help with these um, memory issues and cognitive issues that people face and we all face as we get older. Absolutely. You know, I told you my joke about some timers. The other thing is, and the truth is for all of us, is that we have senior moments. And that's really what it comes down to, because on some levels, we're overstimulated. On other levels, we're undernourished and the brain is undernourished. And if you have any kind of cardiovascular issue, blood flow issues, you may be starving your brain to some degrees. And so for those of you, and I will probably cover it in here, I was going to say, you could go back to the conversations we had about cholesterol and how to lower your cholesterol naturally, which will bring more blood and oxygen to the blood-brain barrier. Let's start off by looking at Alzheimer's disease and what it is. And fundamentally... It is a progressive neurological disorder. That's how it's classified. And what's happening there is that the brain is, because it's starving to death and dying because of either lack of oxygen, lack of nutrition, lack of application. That's why game shows are really fabulous. Doing crossword puzzles, doing any kind of puzzles that keeps your brain active because the brain you could almost associate it with like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. You don't use it, it becomes flabby, flaccid. In fact, there's a universal teaching and it's based on, and I may have said this one before, based on the 10 talents of gold in the New Testament where the master goes away and gives each servant gold. You're familiar with that, I'm Yes, I know the story. Well, the teaching behind that or the teaching coming out of that is use what you have, more will be given. Do not use what you have, and even that shall be taken from you. So that's an interpret one interpretation. I'm sure there are many that 
is mine from a universal teachings perspective. And that's why, because when you think along those lines, it applies to everybody. It applies to your mind. It applies to your body, period. Okay. And if people would just imagine how it applies to everything in their lives that they have to take care of. If you garden, you have to take care of your plants. If you have a pet, you have to take care of your pets. If you have a house, a car, you have to take care of those things. And if you do, they serve you better, longer, with less problems. People can observe those things in life, and yet so often they miss it when it comes back to themselves, that yes, these same universal principles apply to us as individuals, and with effort and conscientious applications, we can make profound differences. That's the whole premise, I think, of naturopathy today, that we can do these things that lead us to better states of health. And I Absolutely. just can't agree with you more. Good. I, I like when you agree with me. However, yeah. disagreeing <laughs> also opens up other doors. So that's really sure. cool. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. And uh, Alzheimer's is obviously one of the most common causes of dementia, although there's other issues and we'll get into those. What they feel is the cause behind Alzheimer's is a protein plaque, prions, as the expression goes. And what happens with it and how you can see it manifesting is that with Alzheimer's, there is a continuous decline in thinking. And again, it takes us back to it's a muscle, use it or lose it. Behavioral and social skills begin to also kind of get distorted and don't work really well. And people begin to lose it and lose connection. And what's really scary, because I'm over the age of 65 by a day, well, maybe more than a day, but 5.8 million people in the country have Alzheimer's. And 80% are over 75 years of age. Frightening stats, because we're all aging and living longer to some degree. And it's also sad for me to think and I don't think this, but I think people think that 60 and 70 is old age. And I don't see that. I don't know how you feel about that. But. Well, I just read an interesting study that said the most productive decade in people's lives is a decade from 60 to 70. And the second most productive decade is 70 to 80. I was astounded. How interesting. It is interesting, and that's really about all I can tell you, but it certainly gave me a sense of hope and optimism that, you know, maybe that's why I'm so busy these days, as I know that you are, is that I don't know if it's because we see that our time is short or we have decades of experience behind us that just keep pushing us forward, and we want to use those talents and skills and knowledge that we have gained. And I think that's part of what helps us maintain, quote unquote, a sense of youthfulness is still being able to do these things and certainly being able to continue to think and process information. It's one of the things that scares people the most, I think, about getting older. I mean, we, we fear things like cancer, but at least we are cognizant when we have cancer and we can think of what to do. But with Alzheimer's, we lose this sense of self and sense of our uh, community and our surroundings. 
And that's a very scary proposition. And it should lead people to want to take better care of their minds and their bodies in order to give them the best chance to avoid these devastating kinds of consequences. You know, you would think, you would think yeah. that they would. And, you know, in listening to one of our previous sessions, I write up the descriptions. And in one of them, I actually inserted, why aren't you willing to change? You know, if you're on this path, you know, and all you got to do is look at your folks from a different point of view and what they expired from. There's a good probability that you're consuming the same diet. And in all probability, you're going to go down the same path and expire in the same way that they did. So why not change? Now, going back to what you said about the particular ages being productive made me think that so many people are in situations or jobs where they're unhappy. You know, they're doing it because they have responsibilities. They've grown themselves from one level into a management, maybe even an owner of a company, owner of a business like ourselves. And you get to a certain point where, okay, now what? Because I'm getting close to retirement age. What am I going to do? Now is the time that maybe I can do what I've always really wanted to do. And so maybe that's why the 60 to 70 is taking all that information, all that knowledge, all that experience, and applying it to a new endeavor. And it's really interesting, the people who don't, who retire and don't grow themselves end up not living as long as the people who retire and start another career, another business, another adventure, and live in to be 100. You know, my goal is 120. So after that- I'll see you there. Good, thank you. I need someone to talk to. So, you know, back to these poor guys with Alzheimer's, you know, they forget how to do every single day task. Not only do they forget, I think what happens with that prion plaque in the brain is that there's no way for the synapses to take place. And so in certain areas where, you know, you know how to do this or that gets blocked off and that information is locked away. And therefore the outward manifestation is, I don't know how to do this, that, or the other. And that is the scariest part. Well, so, I don't know how frustrating it is when I forget where I put my keys or why did I come into this room? You know, but it all comes back to me. It's all very short term. It's this senior moment that we talk about. But I can just imagine if that were happening more and more and with more significant consequences, how devastating and scary that would be to face that. Or if you are watching a loved one go through that, how scary that is to deal with that. So, you know, it's so important for people to learn what their options are and how to at least give themselves a fighting chance to do better because nobody wants that. Well, how do we not get that? Well, certainly by being proactive is one way. Absolutely. And so the thing to do here is let's try to eliminate the risk factors. 
And the first one is being older than 65, but you can't eliminate that one. That means that you're not here. So we don't want to take right. that approach. Not the best option. <laughs> no, that's You'll not. forget everything then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And another risk factor is if it runs in the family. And again, this goes back to something else I've said before. I do have a tendency to be redundant. And sometimes I even repeat myself. But I did do, uh, you know, there's a teaching in Exodus about the inequities of the father being passed on to the fourth generation, third and fourth generation. So a family history of the disease is because, you know, one, you have the same concepts, you have the same diet, the same lifestyle, maybe more upgraded because of our reality today. But fundamentally, it's all the same, just manifesting, looking differently. So that's a risk factor. Obviously, inheriting genes from your folks is another thing. I mean, it's already got a built-in corruption. And if there's already at a young age, you know, if you're in your 20s and 30s and you're having cognitive impairment, that may be a sign that, you know, you could be a candidate for Alzheimer's. And the last one that was really interesting was Down syndrome. And if I could just ask you something about um, the genetics of this, because I've heard a statement and, you know, just because I've heard it doesn't make it true, but I did hear it from reputable people, but they said that only 8% of our future is fully determined by our genes. The 92% is affected by what they call epigenetics, those things outside of our genes that we actually can have an impact on. And so the conclusion was your genes are not your destiny necessarily. So I think so often we thought, oh, my parents had it, therefore I'm doomed. And this research would suggest, no, maybe you have this genetic component, but it does not mean that you're stuck with that necessarily same result to the same degree and that things that we can do positively can lead to better and different outcomes. Have you heard that? Yeah, you know, um, yes and no. I, I guess I don't have a deep understanding of epigenetics. Epigenetics, okay? right. And because what I question be, is what do they mean by outside fluences because, or I don't know that they used outside or external, because the way that I view reality is that, and, and I do this all the time, is I bring everything back to the self. I am co-creating my reality with the God within, because the brain operates on fulfilling expectations. Goal-oriented. We are all goal-oriented. So the question comes up, what are the expectations and where do they come from and what are we trying to fulfill? And the short answer is we're trying to be what's expected of us. We're trying to be who we think we should be. We're trying to be what our mother expects of us. And the reason for that, not to blame mom for everything, but the reason for that is from one point of view, we entered into this thing called life, called the material plane through the birth canal. 
And at the deepest subconscious level, we think the only way we can get back to the peace and tranquility of the spiritual domain is through mom. She was the doorway in, she's the doorway back. So based on that, everybody wants their mother's acceptance. And everybody uses one of two modalities to get that acceptance. They will either be what I call goody two-shoes. The girls will be like mom. The boys will be like dad. And the boys may have some of mom's traits as well, just as the girls will have some of dad's traits. The other group, and that's the group that seeks approval for acceptance. The other group is the hell on wheels. <laughs> and these are the girls who are the exact opposite of mom, the boys who are the exact opposite of dad, because they seek rejection as their form of acceptance. And there's reasons for that. And the reasons being, you know, maybe mom did not want to be pregnant. Maybe she didn't think, you know, the relationship was going to last. Maybe she didn't like the fact that it's going to disfigure her body. Maybe when she did get pregnant, her husband got turned off by her body. There are so many unknowns as to why people react to getting pregnant, both from a male and female point of view, which sets in motion the emotions that either, oh my God, thank God, we want this child, you know, so that's one, or, you know, my career, it's ruining my life, and that's another. And so that energy that the mom has, the fetus is picking up through its entire gestation period. And so when it comes out, it's already kind of, you know, built in inequities of the, you know, third and fourth generation. It could be come out sick damaged. You know, there's some babies that cry and cry and cry. So it's really a very difficult situation. But those, that's re what I have just shared with you, Steve, is reality. Obviously, from my point of view, I think that if people were to question it, because I know that you have friends, buds, who fall into both categories, the guys that use rejection they could be brilliant, they could be handsome, they could be talented, they can't keep a job, or they get fabulous jobs. And you know, one example that I always use is, you know, the guy gets called into the office, Steve, we love your work. You're really fabulous. We're going to make you the manager of the operation. And starting Monday, you know, you'll be the manager. And that's your title. And we know you're going to do well. So we'll see you Monday morning. Okay, so you walk at Steve walks out of the office and over the weekend, he starts pondering, well, you know, hey, I'm going to be the new manager. I've got, you know, these 50 guys under me. I, I'll be in charge of production. Well, you know, the last guy, he worked about 50, 60 hours a week. They didn't say anything about a raise. No, this is no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do it. Monday morning, he goes in and says, Here's my resignation. You're not going to take advantage of me. And he's out the door. That is part of a success failure pattern, which is part of the rejection modality for acceptance. 
<laughs> Hard. Well, it seems like that's maybe two-sided as well because you know you have people who maybe sabotage their own careers because of that and because Absolutely. of fear of future failure. And then you have people who go gung-ho in it and they fail because they're unqualified for that next step up. And had they stayed where they were, they might have been much happier, much more productive. The Peter Principle, I'm sure you've heard of that, that rising to the level of your incompetence. Absolutely. And so I've always thought that a wise person should evaluate those kinds of opportunities because I have had the experience of promoting somebody that was very good at what they did and horrible at the job of, that I promoted them to and actually ended up going back to the previous position where they have just flourished for years and very happy doing that particular thing. But the responsibility of doing more did not suit them and therefore they could not do the job well. And so finding your own level, this is where examining yourself and understanding as much as you can about yourself might lead you again to make better decisions in this manner. I, I've seen it work out that way. Absolutely. And I think that we should kind of terminate this session because we've gave them a lot <laughs> to ponder just that last aspect, because I know from experience and having done classes and worked with people, it's very difficult to accept that and work with it. Although there are people, because I, I did a consult with a woman who was quite aware, and she said, you know, it's funny you would bring that up because I've been questioning that and looking at the relationship I have with my mom and why do we fight all the time? And what's that about? And why can't I keep a relationship? So I know for some, this will be kind of a, oh my God. And oh no, that that's such nonsense. And yet for others, it'll be, you know what? Let me look into this. And so I want to leave them with the things that we have shared today. And we'll get back to Alzheimer's, if I remember, next week. So <laughs> on that note, I will say, Steve, thanks for listening <laughs> to my <laughs> rant. And welcome to Material Reality, the Material Plane. Have a great Well, one. it is our reality. And... Yep. You know, we can have fun with this, and I think people should have fun with their lives and not take everything so seriously, but it doesn't necessarily negate the seriousness and impact of the topic. So if I can remember, I'll be here next week too, Michael. <laughs> I tell people I've got something good for memory. I just can't remember to take it. <laughs> you know, by the way, I have a product called... What's it called? Oh, oh memory! <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this, that we may joke about that, but it's clear that there are nutrients that play an important role in memory and cognitive function. And so for the average person, there's a lot they can do to improve their circumstances. And I know we're going to get around to that and they're going to benefit from hearing it. So I'm looking forward to it, Michael. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And we're going to do that next week. Y'all take care, be well, and we'll see you next week. Take care, so long, Robert. folks. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Naturopathy Today, sponsored by MNP, Michael's Naturopathic Programs at michaelshealth.com. Join us every Monday for the latest episode in this journey to excellent health on all levels.